everybody, and welcome to Matrix Majors. Which pill will you take? Tank and dozer. Tank and dozer. Yeah, all right. We're I, reporting I can... live from within the Matrix, Tank and Dozer. Tank and Dozer. Our names are Tank and Dozer, and we're about to do mescaline, baby. Yeah. It's the only way to fly. <sighs> yep, we're so... Oh. <laughs> oh, that actually hurt. I didn't even yeah, snort you snorted, anything. Yeah, you snorted mescaline off of uh. a... Uh, all right, let's abandon this bit before you hurt yourself. Uh-oh. We were going to do some Matrix goofs, but Tom... Tom... Tom Dumb Plum hurt himself. <laughs> Kids, just remember that making goofs and doing bits is all fun and games until you deviate your septum. Trying to pretend to snort mescaline off of <laughs> your brother? We're tanking dozer brothers? Who cares? Yes, actually. Who cares? This is Media Majors, a storytelling podcast about major media. Hi, I'm Tom Lockney, and I like to talk about the internet and video games and their culture. And I'm Liam Senior, and I talk about uh, the show business of movies and TV. I'm going to start us off. In 2005, Ooh. PhD candidate Robert Kelly, who obtains his diploma from Ohio State University, specializing in political theory and political science, specifically international relations, security, and organization. I don't want to talk about game theory, Tom. Guys, <laughs> this is Media Majors, and it's time for some game, game theory. Thread dash oh, 242. I, Eric Garland blocked me. I've told you that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What a, what a, sh- what a schmuck. In 2008, Robert Kelly decides to move to South Korea and has a chance encounter with Kim Jong-ah. A yoga instructor. Okay. Got a little scared for a second because of the first name, but phew, yoga instructor. South Korea, too. Yeah. So, thank goodness. Well, you know how Kim always makes his little his little trips down south. Yeah. I don't think his Kim Jong trips. could do any yoga because he was a little egg boy. <laughs> Two years later, they are married. Aw. That's so beautiful. Marriage is bliss. So I've been told. <laughs> Unless it's the old ball and chain, am I right, Liam? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't do construction. <laughs> Anti-comedy. In this time, he joins the political science and diplomacy department of Pusan National University in Busan, Korea. Joining the Pusan and the Busan. Gotta get that bussy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He also writes a little bit, fun fact, about movies on his personal blog. They give birth to one, Marion Kelly, now four, as well as a son, James, now eight months old. And uh, I don't know if you've been paying much attention to Wait a minute. the news lately. I know who these cats are. Oh. Uh, see, I thought I could trick you. No, Robert Kelly, the whole time I was thinking, why do I know that name? Well, we're get, we'll get there. Oh, I know we will. I don't know if, if you all have been paying much attention to, you know, the news lately, but Korea <laughs> has been an absolute hotbed of political activity in an unprecedented <laughs> sorry. act. I'm sorry, I know, I know what we're about to talk about, and it's so delightful, but yes, continue. <laughs> in an unprecedented act, a South Korean court has removed their president, Park Geun-hye 
I am so fucking sorry if I fuck up these names. Yeah, we're doing our best. I yeah, I'm I'm trying. I do not know the the like phonetic pronunciations. So their president has just been impeached after massive protests of the government's corruption scandal, which includes such acts as receiving Brian's. Receiving brines? Brines, yes. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We've just been sent eight cups of water, four cups of vinegar, salt and sugar, <laughs> ginger, and chili flakes. And it's all from Samsung. A nice Samsung brine turkey. Actually, Samsung is one of the is one of the companies that has been bribing the South Korean government and, and figures related to that scene. <laughs> the scene of keeping uh, chicken uh, nice and moist. This is a call-out post for all you Samsung owners out there. Get your get your fucking shit together. Yeah. Join the Apple prison. No, it's okay. There's no ethical consumption under capitalism. It's all right. We, we get you. Oh, many suspect that her impeachment will lead to a shift in South Korean politics to the opposition party who seek more engagement with North Korea and wish to diffuse tensions with China. This comes at a particularly problematic time as North Korea has just launched four ballistic missiles from its long-range rocket site. Fortunately, they fell harmlessly into the sea, but what, even the fuck? Yeah, it's still, that's still no, like, yeah. hey, NK, NK Rhea, we still wants to talk about that garbage you just threw into the ocean. It would be like, okay, like you live with, you live in a house, you live in a townhouse yeah. with five other people. Your beautiful wife, Stephanie, and her three friends from college. Two of those three friends are totally on the level. But one of them... Tiffany. Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany always coming home drunk. Always crying about somebody. Always always flushing your keys down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, she pulls a gun out. She pulls a fucking gun out. And she shoots it, and she's not necessarily trying to shoot you. And your name bullets... is being thrown around while the gun is out, which is uncool. And your and and the bullet goes harmlessly into the drywall, passes harmlessly through the drywall into the street. Nobody's injured, but that would be crazy. Yeah, you're still gonna have right? to sit down and talk to Tiffany about some new apartment rules. That's what North Korea is doing with the missiles. It's uncomfortable. Um. Okay. If that metaphor was maybe more accurate true to life it would be more like a dr dre trying to shoot his girlfriend that one time situation but i think everybody gets the idea hot off the presses man your references are just piping hot right there buddy yeah you know wow dr dre (laughs) oh also not to mention the fucking wild assassination plot that just occurred in north korea yeah what what is happening to world politics Uh, we live in a nightmare flushed right down the toilet i'd imagine uh, suffice to say, the world needed a leader. They needed guidance. They needed somebody who knew about Korea's place in national politics, and they needed a voice to carry them through the darkness. And who better than 2005 PhD Robert Kelly? Roberto Kelly himself. On March 10th, Mr. Kelly appeared on the BBC to talk about the Korean impeachment when his daughter, Marion, danced in. Oh, we Tom, know that. Tom, 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 oh, Tom. Oh, boy, that iconic waltz. Okay, you're not, she did not dance in. The door is open, and this Full little girl open. comes fucking 
gallivanting in, her arms akimbo, goggles on in a beautiful <laughs> red sweater. Yellow Red's sweater. A- announced- yellow sorry, sweater. Yellow sweater. Yellow Come sweater. Come at me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got caught up in the moment. In this yellow sweater and goggles. And she strolls in as if to say, hello world, I'm here. The swagger. Ugh. Like like a rapper's entourage or a boxer's best friend, she walks in. Immediately followed by her younger brother, James, who waddles in on his cute little baby walker. What's he's going on baby. in here? His face Whoa! seems to say. <laughs> I can't talk yet because I'm just an idiot baby. I'm so stupid. I don't even know what my hands are yet. But what's going on in this room? And then my favorite fucking part of the video. <laughs> Yeah, it's the best. Hands down is Kim Jong-ah fucking whipping into the goddamn, like, busts in like a cat out of hell. Door slams open. By the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but her pants are down. Her, I did. Her, I was I was just noticing her fucking incredible spy-like maneuvers. She, like, slides in risky business style. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, and if you see in the video, somebody pointed this out to me, you can see... Um, that her jeans are unbuttoned and unzipped. Oh, that poor it's, family. It's their it's own so home. Great. Listen, I'm. Oh, I'm, chase your bliss. I'm right yeah, there. Tom I'm and I. I'm barely wearing pants. We yeah. never wear pants for recording. Yeah, we're disgusting when we do this podcast. Yeah, I haven't showered in like days. This woman's unbuttoned fly is not a matter of judgment. It is just fucking hilarious and also impressive that she managed to pull off this this uh, skateboard maneuver. This with- ollie of a of a trick. Yeah, slams in, yanks the kids out, fucking like a professional she does. It's a sight to behold. Since the release of this video, or it's not a release, because it was live television, which is why it's so good. So, every, so Everybody loves good. that shit. Such very good content. There have been a lot of reactions. A lot of people really loved it. I think that we can count ourselves among those many. Some people thought that uh, Miss... Yeah! Kelly was the nanny. Yeah! Hey, that hey. was so weird! Hey, guys! People hey were, guys. like, ready to write up stuff about classism in this case. And it was like, yo, dog, turn the spotlight around, because it is you who are the menace for assuming. And there's and, and also there's no fucking reason that, that an Asian person can't be this guy's wife! Yeah, it's so weird. It was so weird this, to the, see that. The fucking, like, yeah, the weird racism about interracial marriage specifically or interracial relationships it was oh that was a whole thing in one of the pieces written about these folks they expressed anxiety that their kids would be uh, discriminated against because they were mixed race and i I, you know and i and i think that that is not endemic to I hope I'm using that word right. I don't think that's endemic to where they live. I think that anywhere that would be an issue for them. Yeah. And I think it would be a problem. It, it would be something for them something that they would have to deal with in their relationship anywhere. It's like know. when that Cheerios commercial with the mixed race couple came out and people lost their shit. Oh my fucking god. I just oh, oh god. So weird. Anyways. Oh, Anyways. one other thing. People were, like, accusing him of abusing his kids, which is kind of ridiculous. They were like, he shoved his daughter too hard, and it was live TV. I don't think they knew what to do. Um, clearly, especially based off of their post-incident uh, 
interview reaction. You know, I'm sure it's impossible to say what they do. But those are those are some of the negative reactions to this. But again, I think that that might be concern trolling, which is when you kind of look for a reason to say yeah. the brouhaha. Yeah, exactly. Like the like uh, in in one of our classic episodes, the Zami zero seven zero episode. That would that would be a prime example of contr- concern trolling when there's not necessarily something problematic going on, but people harass folks about it. Uh, their position, what? yeah, yeah, on the matter. Essentially, they're handling it well, but they're clearly not sure what to do about it. Mr. Kelly has expressed fears that this will be the end of his TV career, which it won't be. I would be shocked if it was. If anything, because everybody loved this. Yeah, this was delightful. Yeah, and it was so great. Do you know the whole story? How like the daughter saw him on TV in the room and was like, "That's my house and that's my dad," and immediately yeah. was like, "I got, I gotta go see what's up with all this." Yeah. And it was supposed to be locked, and the door wasn't locked. Ah, she strolls in just, it's just so good. It's so owned good. Owned the floor, girl. The walk. Uh, but now you know the, the rest, rest of, of the, the story. story. Robert Kelly's just kind of this dorky professor who's contributed to a bunch of different publications. I found his personal website, which is fucking adorable. Love he it. has this incredible piece about... <laughs> Uh, movies, like, uh, hang on a second. He's just kind of a sweet dork. He's, He's got a, a piece. Dad. T- top ten gloriously bad international relations movies you should still see. Uh, it's so funny. <laughs> like, he's got one, uh, which is... It's not even the top ten movies. It's just by category. And one of them is Nurturing Your Inner Fascist Superman, Starship Troopers 300 Triumph of the Will. Quote, in case you thought war wasn't fun, along came Starship Troopers and 300 to tell you why you're a liberal wimp. 300 actually has a scene where the soldiers laugh as arrows rain down upon them. Good lord. Yeah. Like he just, yeah, he just seems like a funny dude with like a decent sense of humor. And a That's... daughter who's got the who's got the walk of a yeah oh, man I just just who's got the, the who's got the walk of a fully grown lion the swagger of a fully grown lion yeah exactly so now you know the the, the men and women the behind the meme and if you haven't seen this video what are you doing oh god yeah go watch it it's you're the fucking best. up all right Tom are you ready for a story January seventeenth. 1899. A man named Alfonso Gabriel Al Capone is born. Also known by the nickname Scarface, Al Capone was an American gangster who attained fame during the Prohibition era as the co-founder and boss of the Chicago mob outfit. Don't don't you ever try to fuck me, Tony. I've never seen that movie, but I've seen that scene like a hundred fucking million times. Scarface, that movie, bad. Yeah. Uh, also not really based on Capone, uh, because he was a, a crime boss during Prohibition and mostly ran alcohol. Uh, he was 33 years old when a seven-year reign ended. He was born in Brooklyn and was part of the Five Points Gang in New York City. If you don't know about New York City gang life in the 1800s, highly recommend doing some research. It is the weirdest thing. Al Capone was a bouncer in areas like brothels and bars at first, and then he moved to Chicago and became the bodyguard and trusted factotum 
for Johnny Torrio, head of the criminal syndicate. Hang on the- a second. Hang on a second. I'm going to have to ask you to define factotum. I have no idea. It was just in this uh, article to that Google. I was reading. I, dude, I'm not opening a window. <laughs> I got my f- you. Brain. I got you covered, son. Listen, uh, Liam's computer F-A-S- is fucking garbage. Yeah. Oh, I got it up already. Uh, oh, what? Factotum. Noun. An employee who does all kinds of work. Okay. Just say employee. Synonyms. Handyman, jack of all trades. Yeah, that's he's more than an employee. He, like, got stuff done. And basically, he, you know, this mob boss uh, was with the Sicilians and had a conflict with the Northside gang uh, that was instrumental to Capone's rise because Torrio was nearly killed, retired, and then gave ev- all of his business to Capone, who expanded the bootlegging through increasingly vi- me- violent means, but also had the mayor in his pocket and the city police as well, so he was pretty much safe and sound. He was eventually announced as Chicago public enemy number one. And eventually the federal authorities got him through tax evasion. He spent 11 years in federal prison. Then he got syphilis, started going crazy, was put into Alcatraz, and then died of a heart attack. He was 48 years old. But he was super rich because of his evasion of taxes and his criminal enterprises. So rich that he had a headquarters in the the Metropole Hotel in Chicago but then moved it to the Lexington Hotel in Chicago. And he would run his various enterprises out of this hotel until his arrest in 1931. Okay. So ends part one. Part two, Gerald Michael Rivera, better known as Geraldo Rivera, is an American attorney, reporter, author, and talk show host. He was the host of the talk show Geraldo from 87 to 98 and is one uh, one of the first figureheads responsible for what was considered the rise of trash television uh sort of like jerry springer's domain oh okay. we'll get into so in so we're gonna have these two women fight with each other over this man and his baby and by the end of it the baby's gonna be dead uh that's that was more of springer's domain geraldo was just kind of like trashy politics trashy oh okay but he started out as an investigative reporter for ABC News, working his way up the ranks. He did a story on the Willowbrook Mental Hospital in the 70s that is inc- super brutal and will probably do a separate story on, uh, one day because it's real fucked up. It got him a lot of clout. However, in 85, uh, ABC's Rune Arledge refused to air a report done um, for 2020 that Geraldo was involved with about the alleged affair between Marilyn Monroe and John and Robert Kennedy. Ah, which which listeners will remember from said six. Yep, Rivera public publicly criticized Allridge Allridge's journalistic integrity, claiming that his friendship with the Kennedy family, uh, which was true, he had connection. Uh, Arledge had connections to the Kennedys, had caused him to spike the story, and as a result of that, Rivera was fired. During a Fox News interview with Megyn Kelly that aired uh, two years ago, Rivera stated the official reason for his firing was that he violated ABC policy when he donated $200 to a nonpartisan mayoral race candidate. So he's been fired from his stint as a reporter for ABC. He actually just starts drinking himself into a tizzy. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can empathize with that. <laughs> yep. Part three. In the 1980s, a construction company planned a renovation of the Lexington Hotel. And while surveying the building, they discovered a shooting range and a series of secret tunnels hidden behind Al Capone's medicine cabinet. 
These tunnels connected taverns and brothels to provide elaborate potential escape route in case of a police raid. These discoveries led to further investigation of the hotel, notably by researcher Harold Rubin. Rumors said Capone had kept a very secret vault beneath the hotel to hold some of his wealth. Mm. So in the late 70s, producers John D- Jocelyn and Doug, uh, I think Lewin, Llewellyn, 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 Doug Llewellyn, had formed the Westgate Group, a production company based out of L.A. And at the same time, they were actively searching for program ideas, and that's when they were approached by mafia historian Harold Rubin, who told them about the vault under the hotel. Mm. The legend of Caperly's gold. This is the mystery of Al Capone's vault. So uh, from now on, I have sound bites and interview clips from all the people who were involved in the Basically, what happened was they came up with the idea that they were going to do a live televised event of them opening Al Capone's vault. Oh! So this is John Jocelyn. This is one of the producers. I happened to read an article in the newspaper about the Lexington Hotel and how the owner believed there was a vault in the basement. I sat down with Doug, my partner, and said, Doug, what do you think about this? And he thought it was a big concept. We ran it by a pal of ours in New York who was in ad sales, and he goes, that is the funniest thing I ever heard. You have to do it. (laughs) Good. ABC said, you don't know what's inside? We said no. NBC said, well, we have to know what's inside first. And they said, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to air the whole thing live. They were laughed out of the offices. One of the greatest one of the greatest pieces of television is when uh, it's the storage wars. They find a fucking dead body in there. Dead body showing up on live TV is like the best shit in the world. We just, we just told a story about live TV. When it goes wrong, that's when it goes good. Alan Grafman, the then vice president of Tribune Entertainment. It landed on the desk of the president of Tribune, Sheldon Cooper. We were only a few years old at the time and had syndicated shows. That means they had non-original programming. But doing something live was unheard of. I met with Westgate and thought this could really be something. It was a way it was way too out there for the bigger networks. So, in 85, Tribune agreed to finance a 900,000 uh, production by Westgate that would consist of a live breaching of the vault peppered with documentary style footage that would tell the story of Capone's rise and fall in the criminal underworld. This is from Sheldon Cooper, the president of Tribune. I said, well, there's this guy who just got fired from ABC, but he won a bunch of awards for it. That was Geraldo Rivera. He refused to do it. So they offered him $25,000. And then he fucking ponied up. What? He said no. They offered him $50,000. He said yes. Oh, so homie was talking turkey, huh? Yes, sir. Hell yeah. I like the cut of his jib. This is from John Jocelyn. Uh, we overnighted him all the research we had done. He called the next day and said, okay, deal. This is from Geraldo Rivera. It's a two-hour show, so we'll do an hour documentary, and whatever happens in the vault happens in the vault. So Westgate had roughly... Wait, three- wait. Whatever happens in the vault stays in, in the, the vault. vault. And that's the story of how Geraldo Rivera and his cameraman fucked on live TV. Tom, that didn't happen. Oh. Geraldo Rivera is a walking mustache. Google him right now while I tell you the story so you get a good look All for, right. your, for your mind's eye. So Westgate had roughly four months to complete pre-production on the special. I've just Googled uh, Geraldo Rivera and, and agreed. He is uh, a very thin strip of steel wool. And mustache. I would not. I would not. Uh, interacting with this man's mouth would be uh, A dangerous. sticky situation. Well, I, I wouldn't say sticky as much as I would say... Think of all the mustache Bristly? I would not want... You know he's waxing that pony every night. You know he has, like, a little mustache guard he puts on before bed, like a... (laughs) 
yeah, Mr. Yeah. Monopoly. <laughs> so Sheldon Cooper, I remember getting a call from the business manager at Tribune Tower saying we were worried the street might fall in and people would be killed. Then it was concerns over fire, but we took it very seriously. It's from John Jocelyn. The construction came to one day and said we're going to have to lower a baby bulldozer down there. They took the tires off to make it work. People did not realize the amount of work that was involved. Oh my god, yeah. We got calls from Capone's extended family wanting to know what was inside. We told them, no, we have to wait till the live event. While construction crews worked to prepare the site for television broadcast, producers kept busy fleshing out the taped portions of the show. Tribune's ad sales uh, department tried to convince independent stations that they had a winner. Uh, so then this is from Tim Samuelson, who's a cultural historian in the city of Chicago, and he starts saying some really weird shit about this. Oh, hit me. Liam, give me that, give me that nasty milk. Give me that, give me that, ugh, give me that yuck. So they actually brought in Irene Hughes, who was at the time the biggest psychic in America next to Gene Dixon. So they Fucking got the number awesome. two psychic. Awesome. She was going to try to pick up the spirit of Capone in the building. We go to the basement. She walks towards the middle of the wall and says, Capone is is behind it in a garden under glass, laughing, laughing, laughing. Remember, this is from Tim Samuelson. Now I had researched the hell out of that building. I told her there had been nothing there but a yard. Fifteen years later, the city found some old real estate atlases. What was in the middle of the Lexington? A greenhouse. A glass building. Honest to God. Damn! So at 7 p.m. Central Time on April 21st in 1986, Tribune syndicated the mystery of Al Capone's vaults to more than 180 domestic stations. An enthusiastic Rivera stood in front of the Lexington, promising an adventure akin to excavating King Tut's tomb. Mustache fully erect. Mustache fully hard, pulsing with sweet, sweet mustache blood. Yes. Uh, Tim Samuelson again. There was a guy there who was selling homemade t-shirts. I was at Al Capone's vault, but they were used and had sweat stains on them. Thanks, Tim. Gross. Tim Samuelson. I remember early before the show, Geraldo had split the back of his pants. I don't think he had an extra pair, so they were going around looking for safety pins. Did the Donald Trump just get some scotch tape? Uh, There were three of us lined up side by side upstairs. Me because I knew the building and could identify stuff. And uh, uh, me because I knew the building and could identify stuff. The coroner, in case they found a dead body, and somebody from the IRS, in case they found money, because Al Capone still owed about eight hundred thousand dollars in unpaid taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, man, chase the fucking paper. Even if you're the IRS, you gotta chase the paper. So they they air the documentary and they begin the excavation. An hour and a half in, they pulled down the first concrete wall and only found more dirt. They took down layers and layers of dirt, finding only empty bottles of cheap booze. Tim Samuelson says, I looked at the layers, the broken up sidewalk on the bottom, and the slag from the steel mill on top and said, sorry, it's all over. I see Doug go over Gerardo, point to me and shrug his shoulders, and Gerardo sits on a milk crate and puts his hands over his face. Oh boy. There was nothing in the vault. Oh my god, are you serious? It was nothing? Completely empty, save for a few empty booze bottles. What the fuck, Liam? They found nothing. Near the end of a two-hour live broadcast. Wow. Rivera. It was an old building. I do not recall fearing it collapse on my head. I was much more engaged emotionally with finding something. And maybe... Maybe I would have liked for it to fall on my head. Ugh! 
There was a lot of confusion when the show ended. We had an extra 90 seconds, so Geraldo sang. He padded it. It was totally improvised. Grafman. I think he thought it was his career was over at that point. Cooper. He was completely destroyed when the show ended. Oh my god. Geraldo Rivera. Afterwards, all the constructions and uh, guys and I went and got tequila drunk. <laughs> Everyone was upset. They were Geraldo, so, you nasty. They were completely embarrassed by what had happened. They had opened the vault and found nothing. If only, if only they could have had a a portal to the future where they could have seen that there would be a a live viewing culture where literally all you do is watch people eat food. Well, here's the thing. It was a hit. They didn't find anything, but this was a huge hit. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Are you serious? 30 million people tuned in. (sighs) More things change, more they stay the same. Despite the ending, the special was the most watched syndicated television special with an estimated audience of 30 million. It got Geraldo Rivera new life as a Fox News correspondent who later went on to The Apprentice and is now a Trumpster dumpster. Oh, boy. He is is also Jewish. So uh, Jocelyn and Doug Llewellyn went on to start the People's Court. Found a lot of success with that. And uh, Tribune gave Geraldo a show for a bit in the 80s, and then after he was done with Geraldo, he went straight to Fox News. That's... Where he hosted Geraldo at large. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's so fascinating, though. Because, like, literally, that's what so much... Not just Twitch, not just games, but just so much live stream culture is like, I'm going to Taco Bell! And then you just order Taco Bell, and that's the stream. So, cut to about a week ago on uh, Rachel Maddow's MSNBC program. And Rachel Maddow makes a claim that she has something that a lot of people want. Big. She has Trump's tax returns. She starts the, I believe, hour and a half long special. I think it's an hour, yeah. An hour long special with just 52 minutes of pure padding. She has nothing. Because guess what? Much like Al Capone's vault, she showed up with Jack Diddley. Yeah. She got a page from a 2005 tax return. It was something that he had to give out because of his marriage. Millennia's and, uh, citizenship status. Yeah. And uh, it, it gives us absolutely nothing. I was excited at the beginning because she tweeted out, we have the tax returns. Which and is I was a lie. Like, which is a total fucking lie. better be real. And I watched the first 20 minutes of that show. And then the Daily Beast was like, hey, we've got the same thing. And we're not going to waste however long. We're not going to bury the lead for like 40 fucking minutes. Yeah. So a lot of people compared that to the Al Capone vault situation, but really, yeah, a, lo- a lot of people did. But I think that whereas I think they genuinely believed they were going to find something, mm-hmm. Rachel Maddow wanted ratings. Yeah, and to me, that's like, come on, so cynical. It's an integrity thing. Yeah, because like, I don't think Bill Maher has any integrity, like at oh, all. Absolutely not. And while I don't think the same is 
Bill Maher is like Rachel Maddow. I think she's this to me is gonna be the start of you know, it's like how Glenn Beck and Alex Jones made careers for themselves during liberal administrations by being batshit lunatics instead of competently reporting against opposition. And that is the story of Al Capone's vault. One of the most successful TV blunders of all time. That got that got a little political at the end. That was fun. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I, I just saw so many people talking about uh, comparing that situation to Al Capone's vault, so I thought it'd be interesting hmm. to talk about it. Good story, Liam. Uh, so that brings us to the best part of the show, the part filled with hugs and rainbows and warmth. Self-care corner. Self-care corner. Care for yourself. There you go. Flex those golden pipes. Yeah, I'm a regular Fergie. No, Christina. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Anyways, Tom, do you have a self care corner lined up? Uh, I can we do. do a, can we do a podcast self care corner first? Yes, absolutely, because Liam. I would hit, love it if we did. We just hit a huge milestone, you guys. Sorry, we just passed two hundred total downloads of our podcast since we've joined the new Blueberry uh, services. Um, Basically, we've had 200 downloads in a little over a month. That's insane. That's fucking wild. I can't believe that. We are... So thank you guys so much again. You you are always the self-care corner every every week. It's nothing but delights. Thank you to all our fans. We love you guys, and we can't wait to keep doing more. So keep downloading. Keep doing more. Keep growing. Keep improving. Keep getting better at this and everything else. I play music uh but there's a artist that i really like mark koslick and he's oh he's such a fucking asshole and i'm so mad (laughs) that he's such a fucking sexist pig okay so not like a sun kill moon asshole no mark koslick is sun kill moon oh that's what i thought he's like my adele guys okay he's like my adele good lord um and I finally learned how to play one of his songs, Carry Me Ohio, which is just, like, one of my favorite songs of all time and doesn't have any, like, gross, whack bullshit in it and is just, like, a very pretty song. Congrats, dude. If you would like to send in your self-care corner, you can email us at mediummajorspodcast at gmail.com or uh, you could DM us at mediummajorscast on Twitter. So yeah, uh, like, follow, subscribe. We're wrapping this show up. A little quick one for the day. Yeah. Uh, we don't advertise at all. So if you know anybody who would be interested in this show, uh, please let them know. We only have word of mouth, and we're so excited to be growing, and we want to keep that train a-rolling all night long. All right. We'll be there for you guys. We'll be there for you. said the dumbest idea pop into my head yeah uh, someone saying the calling out to the marx brothers but as if they were santa claus's reindeer (laughs) on groucho on zeppo on chico on gummo (laughs) on harpo and marco and sloppo and bummo some of those were names i made up